welcome to the podcast of Calvary Baptist Church of Taylorville, Illinois. I hope this podcast stirs your desire for the things of God, and we hope that your faith in Christ will grow like never before. Now let's get into the podcast. Hey, God is good. All the time, all the time. What? God is good. Amen. Hey, so I am Pastor Nate Clayson. I am not the senior pastor here, but I am the student pastor. Some of you were here last week, and maybe some of you weren't. But um, just a heads up, Pastor Chad is visiting his new uh, grandchild. So Chad, if you're watching, we're so thankful for you and all you do for this church, and um, we're excited that you're tuning in with us today. Um, So let me pray real quick. I want to just make sure that my heart is right. I know we just pray, but... I want to make sure that my heart is in the right place and that all of you are in the right place to receive this message today that God has laid on my heart. God, thank you so much for what you're doing here at Calvary. Um, God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that um, you you speak through me, that you anoint my words, that nothing that I say comes from the flesh, God, but it all comes from your spirit, God. That you touch lives today, that you give people receptive spirits to hear um, what they need to hear, God, what you are wanting to teach them, God. Um, I pray that whatever it is that you have laid on each person's heart and mind to receive today, that you make that clear to them, and that people can be receptive to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So last week, guys, we talked um, about the vision of CSM, which is our student ministry where, what I do, where we meet across the street at the barn, and that vision is invite, inspire, invest. And I talked about how it is not just a vision for students, but it is a vision for every Christian, every Christ follower in the world, and every church should have this same perspective of how they do ministry. It's the, it's the vision of Jesus for the church. To sum it up, the goal is that we invite people into our lives so that we can be people that resemble Christ with how we live our lives and interact with everyone around us. Once they see our care and love for them, we can hopefully have the opportunity to invite them to church. And hopefully along the way of you interacting with them, those people in your life are hopefully inspired by us, you, me, and our love for them. And hopefully when they come to Calvary, They are inspired by the love and community here at Calvary and the love that we show them as a church. But ultimately, we hope that they are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Excuse me. The goal would be that they commit to Calvary and potentially become a member if that's what God leads them to do, and we can start investing into them which would be invest groups at CSM, our Calvary Student Ministries, or here at, at, church, at Big Church, our life groups. And as you can see, life groups are available out there to start signing up for. And then we encourage those people, while they are still being invested, as soon as they commit, as soon as they're bought in, we encourage them to be invitational to their peers and to love them and to interact with them in ways that resembles Christ, just like hopefully we did for them. And in a a sense, they're starting the process over, and that process continues to to cycle through the generations. And that's how the church, that's really how the church has stayed alive for the last 2,000 years after it was um, created after Jesus left, is because people were 
in, invitational. People were uh, inspiring, and then they invested into them. It's the, it's, the, it's the gospel of how Jesus works. So today is a little different. We're not talking about that as much. I just want to kind of recap that a little bit. But we are talking a little bit more about the series Directed Arrows, Directing Arrows. And I'm talking about how we can um, raise kids that honor God. And I know that I am not an expert in raising kids since I don't have any. But um, we know that God is the expert and that his, his Bible speaks so much truth that we're going to take what God says in Scripture and see what it says about how we should raise our kids. The scripture I want to open up to you first is Matthew 18, 2 through 6. In this context, the disciples are asking Jesus who the greatest in heaven is. And they are all debating, oh, yeah, I think I'm the greatest in heaven because I'm, so, you know, I'm so cool. Jesus spends time with me. He talks to me. All these things that have reasons to be awesome. But Jesus humbles them and responds in this gospel and says how much he values children. So we're going to open up to Matthew 18, 2 through 6 real quick and read that together. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them and said, Truly I tell you, unless you, changed, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly place, the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. As you can see, Jesus sees how valuable children are, and so should we. He understands that they rely on their parents. And he wants us to rely on our Heavenly Father, as the children do in this passage. He also talks a little bit about their innocence, that's why he goes on and says, anyone who makes a child stumble basically should be put to death. I was watching, we went to the movie The Sound of Freedom yesterday, and the main actor, he was, a, he was like an uh, agent of some sort, like a police officer doing a study on sex trafficking. And he was talking to a pedophile, and he said, hey, he basically quoted that scripture, said anyone that... Um, makes a child stumble, should have a millstone hung around their neck and be thrown in the depths of the sea. So God convicted him how innocent these children are. If we cause a child to stumble in any way, as Christ followers especially that, are, that know better, if we say things around young children to make them have these impure thoughts, God despises that. Why would we want kids to sin against God or learn things that are wicked or evil? and may wreck their innocence. No one wants that. No one wants that. So I want to tell you a quick story about my, my parents. They're here today. They're sitting in the front row. You pointed them out. They're right there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and give them a round of applause. This mostly is picking on my dad a little bit. 
But it's just a story. I, that's why I didn't want to share my message in front of them to kind of practice because I wanted them to be surprised that I was sharing the story about them, about him specifically. So my dad was very good at, um, we, we all trusted our parents growing up, which was good. Me and my siblings trusted our parents. They were very great parents. They drew us into godly men and women. We're all serving the Lord today. Praise God for that. But my dad was very confident in his, in his, in his stories he would tell us and the things that he told us and just was very confident in all that he said. And so we all believed him all the time. And he had this story specifically, and it's true, it's a true story, um, where he, he played football in, in high school and college. And when he was in high school, I think it was high school, he encountered a, a gentleman that came to his camp and spoke at their camp named Jim LeClaire. He should be on the screen. A couple pictures of him are going to come up on the screen. This is Jim LeClaire. He played professional football for the Cincinnati Bengals in the 70s and 80s. Anyone know who Jim LeClaire is? Heard Jim LeClaire? Anyone? <laughs> Paula? Okay. Anyone else? Okay. These guys down here. He was, he was an all-pro one year. He's, an, he's a, a college football Hall of Famer in the, in the NFL. And you can cycle through these pictures if you want, Sarah. And uh, he, was, he was a speaker at their camp. And he inspired my dad to continue to pursue Jesus but he also inspired him to continue to pursue football. And my dad um, got, built a relationship with Jim LeClaire. And, and of course, Jim LeClaire, because he knew my dad and his potential, kind of potential in football, he actually gave my dad an opportunity to um, have a tryout for the NFL in a training camp. I may be wrecking some of these, some of these details, but I'm, I kind of came up with them myself. That what, he, what I knew from his stories of confidence, right? And so he tried out for the NFL, and he was, he's talked to him, you know, when he's telling these stories, talking to him up, like talking himself up. Yeah, I was benching 495, you know, I was running with some of the fastest guys on the, on the field. And he's like, I was just a half step too slow to make it to the NFL. I would have played for the Packers, all these things. And so that's great. God, you know, his stories were awesome. We, we believed them. And that was a true story. It was just kind of probably a little stretched. The truth was stretched just a little bit, right? And so that's fun. But there's another story, there's another thing that inspired me and kind of helped me, that he kind of um, encouraged me with. And he made, he, I don't know if he has any idea that this impacted my life. So when I was uh, young, I was going through a lot of tough, a tough season in my life. I was dealing with uh, depression and mental health. And I uh, was really terrified of angels and demons, mostly demons. And my dad was walking with me one day in our neighborhood, and he was talking about um, the situation in my life. And he said, hey, Nate, pretend that, act like your, 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 your body is like a house, like the houses we see here. Jesus is the owner of your house. Jesus lives in your house. Now, when you, when you think of a demon or you may see something or be afraid of something, they may be knocking at the door or looking in the window and scaring you. But Jesus lives in your house. So when you see a demon or you hear a demon or you think you hear a demon, all you have to do is say, I belong to Jesus. You leave me alone. And Jesus is the owner of the house. Both of my parents helped lead all of my siblings and I to follow Jesus. And they're both amazing. That is ultimately what we want for all parents to do, is for one, protect your kids from the evil lies of the enemy, 
but also encourage them in truth. We want to be not only parents, but a church who, do that, who does that. And we want to raise children who love God with passion and love people on purpose. We want to be a church that raise children who love God with passion and love people on purpose. And this vision of invite, inspire, invest goes right along with that. But we are partnering with you all to equip and train your children to help grow them into godly men and women of God. Ephesians 6, 4, we've, and Chad's hit on most of these scriptures. It just, um, since I'm wrapping up the series, I wanted to kind of recap on some of these. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Exasperate means to irritate or frustrate. So do not frustrate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. How often do we spend time training our children to be like Jesus and talk and reading scripture to them and praying with them? Or do we just control their attitude and control their struggles and just kind of kind of control them? Because the more we just set rules and boundaries, the less they're going to want to respect us. We have to love them and lead them towards Jesus in that sense as well. We can correct and hold our kids accountable. But if it leads them to Jesus, that is ultimately honoring to God. We can correct and hold our kids accountable. But if it leads them to Jesus, that is ultimately honoring to God. Proverbs 22.6 says, Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. This is a warning that if we let our children have their own way all the time, they will likely become entitled in the future. Or they will not depart from the foolishness when they are older, like it says in Scripture. So everyone should work together to minister to children and people around us in the church and in our lives. Ephesians 4, 11-13 says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So leaders, deacons, people who serve, who are leading and serving right now in this church, help equip all the people who have different gifts to serve where they naturally are gifted, including teaming up with you. We want to team up with you guys, parents and grandparents, to start recognizing where children, where youth can fit into the ministry. Wasn't it so cool, guys, last week seeing our students lead and have confidence to be in front and and share with their talents, that's a blessing. And we want that to be a more, a more normal thing. We want students to be able to serve where they're gifted at more normally than, than just when it's student takeover once a year, you know? And we need your help. But as a leadership team at student ministry, 
And I know Marla is looking for help. And I know Nick is looking for help with production team. Like I said, we need your help. If you have any experience and desire to grow in Jesus, whether you are old or young or somewhere in between, yes, God can use you. Yes, he can. In student ministry, in children's ministry, or on the production team. Ministries can only grow so far, only if they are prepared to. So, like, if we only have a certain amount of leaders that can lead a certain amount of small groups in, in, in student ministry, for example, or kids' ministry, or whatever, they can't grow really past that level because we're, we don't have leaders to take on the more students. And so we need your guys' help with that. We are starting to have more boys and girls come around to student ministry but right now, it's really just me and Jeff, and thank God to, um, someone else is joining our team here soon. If there is any other men in here that feels in any way they could be a part of that ministry, please let one of us know. Jessica, I, Jeff, Trina, Jennifer, Kat. You saw how far our boys and girls and student ministry are coming, where God is leading them, and you could be a part of that. You could be a part of that change. We as leaders encourage our students at CSM to be intentional and accepting toward loving everyone, not being judgmental, but we desire that anyone who visits our youth group and our church here on Sunday mornings feels loved and accepted by all of us. And we encourage them to invite people into their lives and live a life that inspires people to see Jesus and want to know more about Jesus by how we interact with them. We also encourage these students highly to come to Invest Groups, which is our, our Wednesday night um, time where we grow together in our faith and learn how to love the community and fellowship um, and grow in their knowledge of Jesus so that when the friend that they are interacting with outside of church has questions about their faith, their friend at some point because they know they're different, are going to have questions about Jesus. We want to make it so these students are confident and are empowered to have that conversation about Jesus and encourage them on who Jesus is in their life. We want to make sure that we're not speaking for them, but they have the knowledge and wisdom of who Jesus is for them so they can speak it out for their friends. And we hope that you can encourage your students in the same way. This is the Great Commission that Jesus left his disciples with. It is a call for every believer, not just pastors and deacons and leaders. Like I said last week, all people need to go. All people need to go and make disciples. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, this is the great dis dis um, commission that I just mentioned. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We assure these students that if they are saved and having conversations about Jesus with their friends, that God is with them. And that's so important for them to know. And that he not only is with them, but he is using them. Even if they may not feel like he is, he's actually using them. 
And he's using you if you may not feel the same way, if you may feel that same way. And sometimes when we share the gospel or even just invite someone to church, it can be difficult, it can be hard, but we need to be consistent and need to consistently um, be an example for Jesus. We can't, we can't invite someone to church one day and the next day go in cussing and you know, talking about inappropriate conversations that are normal conversations at some workplaces. We need to be consistent. Our love for others needs to be consistent. So I have a story I want to share about a good friend of mine. So back in January, we started a men's basketball league. And uh, some guys that I never met before came and played basketball with us. And it was a lot of fun. And it became more and more competitive as time went on and a lot more competition. And just, and like at the beginning, I was like top of the top tier, you know, top tier basketball player. And now I'm like bottom tier. Some of you know all about that. Like I'm bottom tier. I'm like at the bottom. Jeff's, Jeff's agreeing with me. He's been there a few times. And so we had this, we had this group of guys come in and hung out one day, and they left early, and then the next week, you know, this guy came back, this, this guy that I, that I kind of noticed, and I went up to him and talked to him and said, hey, um, it's good to meet you, I'm Nate, you know, and I asked him if he wanted to come to church with us and realized he was married and all this stuff and, and asked him to come to church with us, and he kind of, you know, just kind of said, oh, you know, I'll think about it and just kind of didn't say a whole lot about it, and I just kind of talked to him some more. He went home, came back the next week, and we connected again, found out, you know, in future weeks and just talking to him and getting to know him that he lived close to us where we were from before in Peoria, kind of. And I found out, funny story, that my sister taught his brother in school. Isn't that a small world? And so we connected, we had good conversations, we hit it off and just felt like a good connection. Well, shortly, a few, a few months later or so, I don't know how long it was, but a few months later, they walk in the doors at Calvary. And um, it was really cool. And I didn't realize it was me the whole time that invited him to church and that inspired him to come to church. And we hung out with them multiple times and spent some time together talking, and I heard from them personally. Oh, you know, you invited me to church and that was cool and all, but I wasn't super into it. But I realized that you just were interested in me. You, were, you cared about who I was as a person. You, you wanted to know who I you, you cared about my, my relationship with, with you and other people. And you were asking questions. And you just cared about me. And I thought I wanted to be your friend. And so I, I wanted to get to know people in the community. And so I decided to come to church because of you inviting me one time. And you were not just consistently asking me, come to church, come to church. Come to church. Every time you saw me, you just wanted to be my friend. Everyone has a different story. And we need to approach people in the way that their story makes sense. And accept people for who they are. And understand them. So like my friend, I just invited him one time then I started to just care about him. And I didn't even realize that I was doing that. That's just kind of how God made me to be. Thank the Lord for that. And that, in a sense, inspired him to want to come to church. We encourage students and you all to find people in your life who don't have a church 
or aren't plugged in somewhere, the people in your life, if they don't have a church or they're not plugged in somewhere, love those people and encourage them and invest time into them. Reach people and find common ground with them. Things you can relate with. So common ground is a thing where if there's something you have in common with someone, that's a way of connecting. Because if you're just talking about yourself and, you know, oh, yeah, I do this and, yeah, I do that. And, you know, I play sports and, you know, I, I work here and all this stuff. And you're telling them everything about yourself. They're, they're, they can zone out pretty quickly. But if you care about someone you ask questions about someone and listen to them, it shows you care about them. And when it feels right, after you have built a relationship and gotten to know them, it'll feel right to invite them to church. And hopefully they can be inspired by all of us. Meet people where they're at. Meet people where they're at. It's not about being the perfect person or being the perfect friend. It's just being authentic. Don't force anything on anyone. Don't force anything on anyone. Be gent- Like I said, it, it call, this is kind of all-encompassing. Don't force anything on anyone and be authentic is the last word. They all kind of go together. If you meet people where they're at and you don't force anything on them and you're authentic as yourself... People want to know more about you. People care about you. People are inspired by you. And your love for them will ultimately show them that they, that they want to be like you because you're different. Hopefully, hopefully we're, I talked about this last week, are we different or are we just like the world? Are we like Jesus if we have Jesus as our Savior? Or are we like everyone else in the world that has those conversations that we know we shouldn't have? Today, maybe you're the person that has a family member, a kid, a student that you need to surrender to Jesus. Maybe you're not sure where they're at. Maybe you are sure where they're at, but you want to still surrender them to Jesus because that's not a bad thing. Because you want them to live for Jesus with their whole life, not just right now. This is that time, the altar time. Give them to Jesus and say, hey, I want my kid to live for you, Lord. Surrender him at the feet of Jesus. Maybe you're someone that has been talked to about serving and you're hesitant because you don't think you're good enough or you're hesitant because you think you're too old or you're too busy. Maybe you need to give that to Jesus today and say, is this for me? And maybe, you, maybe, you've, maybe you've given it to Jesus. Maybe you have surrendered being willing to serve to Jesus, but you, think, you still think God said no. But you know what? If you're alive and you have a story and you have Jesus as your Savior, God can use you. You may think that God said no, but I want to say this pretty boldly and it's a pretty bold statement. I think the devil is trying to make you think that he said no. The devil wants to get in the mix and tell you you're not good enough. The devil wants to get in the mix and tell you you're too old. The devil wants to get in the mix and say, oh no, you know, there's better people out there that can do it better than you. God can use you. Maybe you need to surrender that to the Lord today. And maybe 
you're the person, we talked about this last week, that has multiple people in your life that are lost, that are broken, that are just holding on to whatever it is in their life that they don't want to surrender to Jesus and need to pray for them and need to lay them at Jesus' feet. There's three things that you could be laying at Jesus' feet today. A child that you want to lay to give to the Lord, or you, can, you do all these things. A child you need to give to the Lord, whether it is you need to serve in some way and God is laying um, to serve in some way in your heart and you have a conversation with the staff about that, or there's someone in your life that you know you need to talk to, you need to give back to Jesus. Jesus is the one that works on people. Jesus is ultimately the one that gives us the, the, the ability to serve, and Jesus is the one that takes, takes the people in our lives to, closer to him. But we have to lay them at his feet and say, God, you are the one that does this. Surrender them to him today.